Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. If I were to ask you, ladies and gentlemen, what state in the union leads the nation in teen suicide per capita? What state leads the nation in antidepressant use by women per capita? What state in the nation leads in online pornography subscriptions per capita? And what state in the nation leads the nation in cosmetic surgery per capita? You're probably thinking something like California, maybe New York, maybe Massachusetts, some of the more liberal states. You might think that, but actually that's not the case. It's actually probably the most religious state in the union. And the state is the state of Utah. What? Yeah, Utah. As you know, Utah is the center of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as Mormonism. And uh, it has the least number of Orthodox Christians in it. Wait a minute, aren't Mormons Christians? We'll get to that a little bit later in the program. But under 2% are Orthodox Christians, Bible-believing Christians, both India and Japan have a higher percentage of Christians than does Utah. And why would Utah then, though, lead the nation in all of these indicators of unhappiness and depression? Well, we're going to get to it today. In fact, there's a brand new book written by my friend Sean McDowell and a new friend by the name of Eric Johnson. They're editors for a new book called Sharing the Good News with Mormons. And we're live today this morning here uh, our phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. If you have a question about Mormonism or you are a Mormon and want to push back on some of the things we might be saying here, that's fine too. Uh, later in the program, we'll get to your questions. Uh, again, the number is 888-589-8840. Eric Johnson has been with a ministry called Mormonism Research Ministry. It's an easy website, mrm.org, for Mormonism Research Ministry. He's been with them since about 1989, and uh, he has his MDiv, uh, and he, for many years, taught out in uh, Southern California uh, as a teacher and a professor. But in 2010, he moved his family to Utah, where he is engaged in this ministry. So it's nice having Eric on the program. Eric, great to be with you. How you doing? Thanks, Frank, for having me on. Absolutely. Now, this brand new book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons, came together how? I mean, you've got so many authors in this book. It's not you you and both Sean have articles or I should say chapters in here, but you 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 must have uh, you know, 20 or 30 different writers in this book. How did this book come together? Yeah, it's a total of 26 different writers, 24 different chapters and I'm asked the question regularly, what's the one way, the one tactic that I can use to win my LDS friends and neighbors to Jesus? And we get that regularly. I had that question given to me in 2016 in the fall, 
And I answered, well, you know, it'd be nice if somebody would just write a book with all the different ideas because there's not one magic bullet that is going to uh, win every time. And so there's different tactics depending on your personality. And I went to bed that night, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, you know, that really needs to be written. And so I started talking to some of my friends, and uh, I was going to self-publish the book. I had uh, Jay Warner Wallace, who wrote Cold Case Christianity, a friend of mine, call me up along with another friend, Andrew Rappaport, and they said, we hear you're thinking about self-publishing this book. And mm-hmm. uh, and Jay Warner Wallace said, if you want to sell 500 copies, great, but you really need to get this thing published. That's and right. so he, he, he made some suggestions, and and uh, I contacted my friend Sean McDowell, and uh, he and I go way back. Uh, we're both uh, teachers, uh, in the, and he, he's the Bible department. Uh, he used to be the Bible department head at uh, Capistrano Christian, and mm-hmm. I was the Bible department head at Christian High. And so uh, we talked about it, and uh, we were able to get Harvest House, and they were very enthusiastic about putting this book together because it has a wide variety of people. We have seven people with PhDs. Uh, we've got uh, three pastors. We've got lay people. And so everybody has a different way of going about doing evangelism, and so it's all in one book. And that's why I'm excited about it, because uh, if you don't like one chapter, you don't have to like that chapter. You can go to the next <laughs> chapter, and I'm sure you're going to find three, four, five chapters that will challenge you and help oh, yeah. you to maybe consider ways that you would be able to do evangelism as well. Yeah, no question. It's called Sharing the Good News with Mormons, and this is easy evangelism. Easy because they say they come to you. You don't even need to go to them. They come to your door wearing a badge that says elder so-and-so. The kid's 18 years old, and he's an elder already. I don't get that. But anyway, they come to your door, and uh, they want to talk. So why wouldn't you talk with these these fine people? They're very good citizens, as you know. Mormons tend to be uh, very upstanding citizens, which is, uh, of course, uh, something that that is admirable. But theologically, they'll try and claim, as you know, Eric, you're the expert here, but they'll try and claim they're just another denomination of Christianity and and. Uh, I, I want to ask you about that and, and see what the truth is here. Uh, let's just talk about, say, four or five different major topics when it comes to uh, Christianity. One is who God is. Now, Christians, of course, believe God is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, moral, personal, intelligent. He's not, he's not a man. He's not... He's not made of molecules. There's only one God. He's the infinite being with infinite attributes. What do Mormons say about God? Who is God according to them? Well, according to one of their scriptures, and you have to understand the language that we use with uh, the Mormons, it's going to be misunderstood unless we define our terms. And so right. when you say scripture, a uh, Christian will be thinking Bible, but in, in Mormonism there are four scriptures, the Bible, the King James Version officially, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price. But Doctrine and Covenants are revelations that were given to the Mormon founder, Joseph Smith. In section 130, verse 22, it says that God has a body of flesh and bone. Well, God the Father. God the God Father. God the Father has a okay. body of flesh so and bone. he's not immaterial. So okay. He's, he has material. In fact, there is not a belief in ex nihilo creation, that matter has always existed. And there's a little couplet that was put together by Fifth President Lorenzo Snow uh, over 100 years ago, and it goes like this. As man is, God once was. As God is, man may be. And so what that means is that God has not always been God, but rather he became God. He once was a human on another world. One uh, leader, early leader said it was nearest the star Kolob. We don't know where that is exactly. In fact, Mormons will say they don't know much about how that works. 
but that God the Father lived as a human. And if you ask Latter-day Saints, how did God die? They, they will agree that he probably was a sinner, just like we are, mm-hmm. and that he died and he became the God of this world. And uh, marriage was reinstituted. In fact, God, being polygamous, was able to create a number of spirits, and those spirits uh, uh, that were physically created are all the people in the world, along with one-third of who uh, denied Jesus as a Savior, and so they were cast out of heaven. And so God the Father is basically managing this world. He's the God in charge. And then Mormonism teaches that humans have the potential to become God as well. So there's a lot to it, but the idea that God has this body of flesh and bones has not always been God is diametrically opposed to anything the Bible teaches. And they also believe that there are many of the so-called gods over there, over different planets. So they're really polytheists, is that right? Yeah, you know, and, and they will disagree with the term polytheism. It depends on how you define it, because they will say they, they worship only one god, even though they have the existence of many gods. And so some have tried to figure out what exactly that is, because polytheism is oftentimes associated with, for instance, Hinduism, the worship of many gods. But the idea that the existence of many gods, and you only worship one, maybe that would be called henotheism. It doesn't matter if you're not worshiping those other gods, just the idea that there are multiple gods in existence is certainly not monotheism. Right, it's certainly not Christianity. We're talking to uh, Eric Johnson. His new book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons, is something we're talking about today. We're trying to start out by just giving you the basic differences between traditional Christianity and Mormonism. We'll do that on the other side of the break. We'll continue. And a little bit later, we'll get to your phone calls about this. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. I'm Frank Turk. Don't go away. Thank you for listening to the Cross-Examine Podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the Donate button, or simply use the Donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent anyway. You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network, our website, crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with the D on the end of it.org. I'm talking to Eric Johnson. His new book, along with Sean McDowell, is called Sharing the Good News with Mormons, Practical Strategies for Getting converse, the Conversation Started. And it is very practical. I've read several chapters of this book already. And uh, it's very easy to read. It's very practical. And uh, what we're doing here, just in the first part of the program is giving you kind of an overview of what Mormonism is, and then we'll get into your questions a little bit later at 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. If you'd like to ask a question or if you're a Mormon and like to uh, push back on some of the things we're saying here, that's fine too. Eric, let's go back to this uh, question of the differences between traditional Christianity and Mormonism. Uh, we've already established there's a big difference between who God is. and traditional Christianity, we have a, a spaceless, timeless, immaterial being. In Mormonism, the being is actually a former man who is flesh and blood. In fact, I remember having a lunch with a, or dinner with a Mormon many years ago, and uh, I, I talked to this gentleman about 
how the universe had a beginning out of nothing and that space-time and matter had a beginning out of nothing, which means, of course, that whatever created space-time and matter can't be made of space-time and matter, that the universe was created by a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent being. I said, what do you as a Mormon do with that? He goes, oh, we don't go back that far. That's, that was what he said to me, as if you could just ignore the infinite regress that, that they seem to have. They do have an infinite regress problem here, don't they? Well, they certainly do. I mean, the Kalam cosmological argument says it's impossible to be able to have an infinite past and then arrive at today. And, in fact, William Lane Craig wrote a chapter in the book New Mormon Challenge where he did an excellent job of explaining the problem of this idea of a material universe that goes back into an infinite past. It's impossible. And that's one of the problems then. So their, their view of God is not the same as Christianity. How about their view of Jesus? In Mormonism, Jesus is not the same Jesus of, of say, the New Testament. How does, it, how does the Jesus of Mormonism differ from the Jesus of the New Testament? Mormonism teaches that Jesus is just a God. He, he is not God in the sense that Christianity believes, and they don't accept the Trinity. And uh, you have to understand, I mentioned in the previous section, of how there was this pre-existence or pre-mortality where God the Father and his wives produced all of the spirit children, which again became all the humans, and then the demons uh, became demons because they denied Jesus there. Jesus is the firstborn, and they'll take literally the language uh, from Psalms and Hebrews and other places to show that, well, Jesus was the first one that was created, and so therefore he was the rightful Savior of the world. And so they do not hold that before this universe that Jesus was God. Uh, he got a free pass, did not have to have mortality like the rest of us to be able to prove ourselves. He just, because he was rightfully heir to that, he, he had the opportunity to be able to become a god. Uh, but uh, Mormon leaders have even claimed that Jesus is not the same god. And you have to understand, the authority in this church not only goes to their four scriptures that I mentioned earlier, but also to their leaders. And they have a prophet, and the 17th prophet is a 94-year-old man, um, Russell M. Nelson, who rules from Salt Lake City. He has two counselors. Those three men are called the First Presidency, and they have 12 apostles as well, and then a group of men called the Seventy. And so these men rule and explain what current thought is. But this is what the 15th president of the Church, Gordon B. Hinckley, said, in a, in a conference edition, and you have to understand, general conferences where the leaders will give uh, Scripture, basically. They will speak authoritatively. So he gave this at the April 2002 general conference, and this is what he said. As a church, we have critics, many of them. They say we do not believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity. There is some substance to what they say. Mm. When somebody tells you, Frank, that they don't believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity, I think your ears ought to go up and you ought to ask why. Why right. is your Jesus different? Second Corinthians 11.4 says it's possible to worship a Jesus that is not the authentic Jesus. Well, one thing that cults, if I can use that term in a, in a, in a technical sense, not a sociological sense, meaning a cult is an is a organization that branches off from, say, traditional Christianity— and has distinctive teachings that are not the same as traditional Christian teachings, yet they use the same terminology. So they'll say Jesus, 
but they don't really mean the Jesus of the Bible. They, they have a different Jesus. In fact, Paul warns against this in Galatians, where he says, if anybody comes to you and preaches a different gospel or different Jesus, may, may, may they be accursed. He, use, he uses some very strong language in, in the book of Galatians. So this is not the same uh, Jesus of the New Testament, and, and it's obviously not the same God being a material being, not an immaterial being. Also, and you're right on a, that, Frank, and when, whenever somebody does bring up terms, when you're talking mm-hmm. to a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon, or whoever, and you're not quite sure what they mean by that, in his book, Tactics, Greg Kokel says the best question you could ever ask, what do you mean by that? Right. And so if you ask that question and get them to tell you what they believe, rather than you telling them what Mormonism teaches, because maybe they don't believe what you think they believe. Maybe exactly. they, they veer off from what traditional Mormonism is saying. So give them the benefit of the doubt, but then define your terms. And this is one of the things that several chapters in this book talk about, the importance of doing that. And if you understand that this God and this Jesus are two separate ideas compared to what the Bible teaches, then this is not the same as Christianity. The other important point uh, that I want to make about your book, and again, the book is called Sharing the Good News with Mormons, is, Eric, you have a uh, appendix in here. It's called 101 Mormon Terms Defined. So <laughs> you actually get very specific and define all these terms that Christians would define differently, but you point out what the Mormon definition is. So that's very, very helpful. Uh, what Let's let let's get right to the bottom line now, Eric. We've already talked about what they believe about God and Jesus, just as in, as an overview. There's we could go into a lot more detail. What do Mormons believe about salvation? How is one saved, and what do we save from, and where do people go when they're quote unquote saved? Well, there are two types of salvation. Again, you're going to have to ask that question. What do you mean by that when you talk about salvation? There's what's called general salvation. This is a resurrection from the dead because you chose Jesus in the preexistence. The reason you know that is because you have a body, a flesh and bone, just like Heavenly Father did, which gives you the opportunity to progress to uh, godhood, or exaltation, they call it. And so, so you have this general resurrection. Everybody is saved by the atonement through Jesus, the grace of Jesus. Mormons will, believe, will say they believe in the grace, but not the same kind of grace that Christians believe in, because it just grace, gets yeah. them a <laughs> resurrection. But the mm-hmm. second type of salvation is individual salvation, or known as exaltation or eternal life. Exaltation is the idea that you make it to the top of the three kingdoms. In uh, when, when you die, you'll go to one of two places. You either go to paradise, or you'll go to spirit prison. And then if you go to spirit prison, you're going to wait for somebody to go to a Mormon temple and do work vicariously for you. And so the temples, there are 160 of those, all throughout the world, including the United States, and the Mormons do genealogical work to find out the names of their relatives so they can do this work, so spirit missionaries can come from paradise to come present to you the gospel. After the millennium of a thousand years, then there's going to be a judgment, and you're going to be sent to one of those three kingdoms, and the hope is you make it to the celestial kingdom, the very top kingdom. That is where you and your family can be together forever, You will have your wife with you if you're a man. You have learned special things in the temple. You get new names. You've learned special handshakes that come straight out of masonry, and that will allow you to get past the angel guarding the celestial kingdom. And then your hope is that you'll be able to do the second part of that Lorenzo Snow couplet, as God is, 
man may be. And the hope is that you can become as God. In fact, they say in the book of Genesis, when when uh, Adam and Eve were dealing with uh, Satan and, and uh, Satan said, ye shall be as gods, they think that he was actually at that point telling the truth. It was a partial lie, partial truth, but yeah, it's possible, potential for you to become God. And so salvation yeah. to a Mormon in the real sense, if you're going to be a faithful Latter-day Saint, is someday to become God of your own world. Well, that's the initial lie that Satan gave, as you just pointed out, to Adam and Eve, that you can become like God, and Mormons are saying the same thing. Uh, right. And, and let me ask you this, Eric, because you make this point in the chapter you've written. You've written a couple chapters in this book, and the book, again, is called Sharing the Good News with Mormons. Um, let me ask you this. If Mormonism is just another denomination of Christianity, which is what they're trying to say, then why are Mormons coming to your door in the first place? Why are they trying to convert Christians to Mormonism if Mormons and Christians are the same thing? Uh, that's a great point, Frank. And the idea that uh, Mormonism is not the only true faith is debunked when you look at the first vision. Joseph Smith supposedly had God the Father and Jesus come to him, in the, and it's called the Sacred Grove, and they call it the first vision. It supposedly happened in 1820, even though there are many problems with that date and the idea that it even occurred. But he was told very clearly in Mormon scripture, Joseph Smith's history, chapter 1, verse 19, that all of the churches were wrong and all their creeds an abomination in God's sight. So they have what's called the great apostasy, the idea that all Christianity lost its authority, and it was not returned to this world until Joseph Smith brought it back through his vision, through the scriptures that he received, uh, the Book of Mormon, as well as Doctrine and Covenants. And so true salvation can only come through baptism in the Mormon Church, doing everything the Mormon Church tells you to do, and then you never know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you were to die right now, you ask a Latter-day Saint, if you were to die right now, where would you end up? Well, I'm not perfect yet. I'm doing my best. I'm trying. They well, never can know what First John 5.13 says. It's possible to know you have eternal life. Well, how, how can they have it both ways? How can they say on one hand they're the true church, and on the other hand they say they're just another brand of Christianity? Well, this is part, I think, of the—it's more public relations than anything else, because, yes, they will tell you to your face, oh, you're a good Christian, you be the yeah. best Christian you can be. But, and they want to have that title as well. And I don't like to quibble about that. Well, you're not a Christian. Yes, I am. And, you know, that back and forth doesn't do very well. Yeah, but when just, that does yeah. come up, I like to say, wait a minute. So you're a Christian, and you're saying, I am a Christian. Well, then I guess we're the same. And <laughs> oftentimes you'll get them nodding. You say, well, I guess I could be called a Mormon. All right, um, well, thanks for coming. I'm, I'm a See Mormon. You. I, I See did, you next week. I not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you at I, I my not, Why are you at my house if we're both Christians? That's, you're, that's you're right. You're coming yeah, no, to give sorry. to give a different theology. We're talking to uh, to Eric Johnson and uh, his new book. He co-edited with Sean McDowell. It's called "Sharing the Good News with Mormons," and uh, we're going to talk more about that and get to your phone calls right after the break. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. I'm Frank Turek of CrossExamined.org. We're back in two minutes. College campuses are hostile to the Christian faith, and three out of four young people walk away from the church once they go to college. That's why we go to college campuses and present I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist in the United States and even all over the world. When we do this, 
We don't charge students a dime. That's why we need your financial support. In fact, over the past couple of years, we've been able to grow dramatically because of your generous support. And 100% of your donations go to ministry. Zero percent go to building. So when you give to Cross-Examined, you'll be giving to help us go reach young people where they are. Would you consider giving today? Thank you so much, and thank you so much for what you've done already. Welcome back to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our phone number this morning, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. What we're doing is we're talking about Mormonism with uh, Eric Johnson, who co-edited the new book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons. Very practical book. Every Christian should have this book because when you encounter a nice gentleman or a nice young woman uh, who's a Mormon, and many times they come to your door, you might as well be prepared, right, to just plant some seeds, just to have a conversation and plant some seeds. And this book will help you do it. Uh, over 20 different authors, very easy reading, very practical reading. And uh, it's the kind of book you need to have, kind of a one-stop shop book to talk uh, with your Mormon friends, neighbors, people that just come to your door. And as we've already established so far in the first couple of segments of this program, Mormonism is a radically different worldview than Orthodox Christianity, Biblical Christianity. Although they will try and say they're Christians, uh, when you look at their doctrine, they are very far from Christianity when it comes to their doctrines. They may be nice people, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to actually what they believe about reality, it's not anything remotely close to Christianity. I know it's going to sound a bit shocking, Eric, and I don't know if you agree with me, but uh, Muslims have a more accurate view of God than do Mormons. Do you agree? Well, you know, that's an interesting point. Um, certainly both have deficiencies, but right. uh, yeah, I think on the surface it would seem like Mormonism would have the more accurate view, but uh, when you go deeper, it's amazing some of the things that you'll find within Mormonism. No, I mean, what I mean is that at least Muslims believe, I'm not talking about whether or not you know they believe in jihad, or I'm not talking about that, I'm just talking about Muslims right. believe that God is an immaterial, spaceless, yeah. timeless, eternal being. Whereas Mormons, as, we, as you mentioned earlier, actually believe God is a physical being that was once a man. Oh, they, and, and a Muslim does not care at all for the idea of the God of, of Mormonism. They, uh, they think it's blasphemous and, uh, and may even have more of a disdain for the Mormon view than the historical Christian view. Yes, yes. Now, there's, let, me, let me just get one other distinction from you, and, and there are many we could talk about, but we're going to take calls here in a minute. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. We talked about the difference that Mormons and Christians believe when it comes to God, Jesus, salvation. A little bit about heaven and hell. We talked about that there are different levels of heaven. Is there a hell in Mormonism or not? There is, but it's really not for humans uh, because of the work that's going to be done in temples. Everybody's going to have a chance to go to one of the three kingdoms. The, le- the bottom level is called the Telestial Kingdom. It's very worldly. If you like the ways of the world, you like the drug culture, you like partying that won't be such a bad place to go. And in fact, Adolf Hitler, uh, a couple decades ago, had his work done for him in an England temple in London. And Mm. so even he's going to have that opportunity of missionaries visiting him. And and so really, uh, outer darkness is the only real place of what we might call hell, and that's reserved for Lucifer, Satan, and one-third of our spirit brothers and sisters from the pre-existence, and they made one error. They chose 
Satan's plan over Jesus' plan. Cast out of heaven without the chance to have a body, which is necessary to be able to progress into exaltation. So they're headed there. Maybe uh, they call them sons of perdition. Maybe there's a few humans who will go there. But for the most part, there's not a, a real hell in Mormonism. And, of course, all of this, if it were true, we'd go, okay, it's true. We, we should believe it. But as the book points out, this is not true. <laughs> that biblical Christianity is true. So uh, we're not just telling you what they believe. We're also, and this book points out, that this material, this, these beliefs that Mormons have just, just don't correspond with reality. And in fact, let me just ask you one more thing about the difference between Christianity and, and Mormonism. What do they believe about the New Testament, Eric? The Bible is true as far as it is translated correctly. That's what Joseph Smith said in the Eighth Article of Faith, which mm-hmm. are found in the LDS Scripture, the Pearl of Great Price. And so what that means, translated doesn't really mean translated. If it did mean that, then I would agree with the statement, the Bible is true as far as it's translated correctly. The New World Translation, for instance, is a horrendous translation of the Bible, especially the New Testament. And go to John 1.1 and how they tore that one out of its context to make it what it never said. But uh, the idea that they mean, instead of translated, they really mean transmitted. So when you get into that issue with the Latter-day Saint, ask the question, how do you believe the Bible came to us. And more often than not, you're going to hear them say, well, the Bible's a translation of a translation of a translation, going back to the Vulgate or wherever they think it happened. They do not understand what transmission is and how the Bible scholars go to the earliest, most accurate text to be able to take the words of the Bible and put it into uh, the translations that we have, such as the English translation. So that is a, a misunderstanding that there were many corrupt priests who ended up putting in their false ideas. And that's a verse that's actually found in the Book of Mormon that uh, says, a Bible, a Bible. Why do we need a Bible? Because it's not accurate. Why should you even read it? Although, again, it is part of the uh, LDS standard work, they call it, those four scriptures. And they do use the Bible, and they'll use many verses out of the Bible. But unfortunately, they will take those verses and pull them out of their context to make them say things that they never were saying. And this is similar to Islam in the sense that they both say that the Bible, the New Testament, has been corrupted on one hand, yet on the other hand, they use the New Testament for certain, or, or, or I guess, as you would say, verses pulled out of context for some of their doctrines. Uh, so they try and use it on one hand, while on the other hand saying that it's been corrupted. Similarly, in the Quran, uh, the Quran tells us to obey the Bible if we're Christians, but on the other hand, they say the Bible's been corrupted. So... Right. It, it, it it's it's very contradictory. Uh, in fact, didn't Joseph Smith try and say that uh, the reason that that um, he was he came up with this new revelation in the 1800s was because he was asking the Lord for wisdom, as James 1 5 says, you know, if 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 you lack wisdom, ask for it and God will give it to you. Well, why did Joseph Smith think James 1 5 was accurate? to start his new religion, was my question. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great point, Frank. And uh, if that verse is, is not considered to be part of a canon that can be trusted, then why even use that? And he took it that one out of context, making it sound like it, uh, that religion is something you ought to pray for. And in fact, the Latter-day Saints will take a verse out of the Book of Mormon, uh, Moroni 10.4, and it says basically, if you pray about this with a sincere heart and true intent, that God will make manifest to you. And so they look for what's called a burning in the bosom. They look Mm. for good feelings 
So you can't discount the Mormon who has had prayer, and he's prayed about whether or not the Book of Mormon is true. He believes it is true, and so it's based on a subjective testimony. Right. And I think the Christian can counter that by talking about his testimony. And so sure. here we are, we're left with two different testimonies, both could be considered subjective. Let's get beyond that, and let's look at the facts. I think that's what we want to do when we're talking to a Latter-day Saint. Exactly. Let's take a couple calls, Eric, uh, since we're live this morning. Let's start with Lynn in Arkansas, and I think, Lynn, you have uh, a relative that got into Mormonism. Is that right? Do you have a, do you have a question for Eric? Um, I have a question at the end, but I'm gonna, I was just going to tell what happened. In okay, my we life. only got a couple of minutes, so we don't have a lot of time before the break, so if you could make it quick, Lynn, go ahead. I'll talk fast. Go ahead. My daughter, I let her be. I was divorced. I let my daughter be with her dad. Her his, her dad's family was Mormon. Her dad died unexpectedly in his 30s. They converted her to Mormonism. We prayed in our church for my daughter to get deprogrammed. A lady came to our town named Granny Gear, who was had uh, from a polygamous family, had many generations of Mormons. She did a talk. My daughter got deprogrammed. My daughter is now married to a Christian pastor. Mm. Um, And the woman who wrote the book called um, Mormonism, Mama and Me um, offered her first edition 1830 Book of Mormon to anyone who could, I think it's disprove the facts that she said in her book. And the question I had is, in the end times in uh, the one world religion, what part do you think Mormonism will play? Good question, Lynn. Eric, what do you say? Well, I I mean, uh, that's that's open to interpretation, and there's different types of ways that you view the end times called eschatology. But what Mormonism teaches about the end times, that Jesus will return to a place called Independence, Missouri. And in fact, there's, uh, there's a lot there called the Temple Lot, not owned by the Church, it's owned by a splinter group of the Mormons, and that is where the Temple is supposed to be built and that Jesus will rule from independence. In fact, Missouri was a very important place in the 1830s with the Mormon people, and Joseph Smith said this is where Adam was born and lived, and this is where the Ark took off from, from Missouri, and uh, it's all part of their history. But they do believe that, that Jesus will return, but he's returning to America. Thank you for your question, Lynn. I'm glad your your daughter is now uh, back in uh, Orthodox Christianity and is a uh, pastor's wife. That's that's the hardest job in American Christianity, by the way, friends. I always I always tell pastors you have the second hardest job. Well, pastor's wife is the hardest job, so yeah. <laughs> no question about that. Let me go to uh, Melody uh, on the phone as well. Melody, you have a question for Eric? I sure do, Doctor Frank Church, as I live and breathe. Hey, Melody. Um, oh, you're down in Texas. You are the Melody. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, sir. It's a little hot down here. Uh-huh. Um, I used to work across the table from a nice, sweet young man who had been a, a missionary, a Mormon missionary to Sweden. And he and I would go around and around, and I'd always ask him, you know, why they were missionaries were working so hard in view of the fact or in view of the scripture verse that says, our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, which means that we weren't here yet. Mm-hmm. I said, why are you working so hard to keep something that you didn't earn? And he never could give me an answer. Wow. That's an interesting question. What do you say to that, Eric? Is that a good tactic with a Mormon? 
Yeah, that, that's uh, that. I, I think that's a uh, and there's many good tactics, and they're not all in the book. There's everybody can have different ways of doing it. But let me just say, Mormonism does not understand grace. If you go to our website, mrm.org, as you mentioned earlier, Frank, and we have also a website that's associated with the book called SharingWithMormons.com. They can go there as well. But I put a video up called Amazing Grace. They played this at the uh, Manti Mormon Miracle Pageant, a pageant that's a public pageant, and they are now redoing the hymnal. They're thinking about adding the term, uh, the, the, uh, the song, Amazing Grace by John Newton, into their hymnal. And the problem is the grace that's talked about in Mormonism is not the grace that's talked about in Christianity. It's completely different. So when, when you're uh, explaining that the works, Mormonism, does not understand that. You mentioned Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 to a Mormon. He's going to go straight to James chapter 2 and mm-hmm. say works with a faith without works is dead. And so we have to understand the difference between justification and sanctification. And Christians do believe in good works, but they believe it's the grace of God that justifies them freely, not based on works, as Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8. Well, let's talk so more about that after the break, Eric. Story. We're talking to uh, Eric Johnson. His new book with Sean McDowell is called Sharing the Good News with Mormons. And if you have a question and want to get it in before the end of the show, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. I'm Frank Turk. We're back in two minutes. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross-examine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. Sharing the good news with Mormons. Eric Johnson on the line with me, Frank Turek, talking about this new book that he put together with Sean McDowell. It's got more than 20 different authors Short, easy-to-understand chapters that you can use when you're interacting with your Mormon friends, Mormon relatives, if you have any. In fact, Jim Wallace, Jay Warner Wallace, uh, you know, my colleague who, we, who who does a lot of work. We do a lot of work together. He uh, he actually has an entire side of his family LDS, and so he knows a lot about the, uh, the Mormon faith. And uh, he has a chapter in the book, as well as several other folks that, uh, in, in fact, you actually in here, Eric, have a Sandra Tanner in here who has a wonderful ministry to Mormons. She is the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young, and uh, her her uh, chapter in here is very good regarding what do you do when a Mormon comes to your door. Uh, let, me, let me take another uh, phone call or two. We've got Susan, uh, actually from a mobile phone. Susan, you're on with Frank Turek and Eric Johnson. Go right ahead. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I was wondering if... Um the Mormons' view of grace is different. Do Mormons believe in sin? Hmm. Do Mormons believe in sin, Eric? Yes, they uh, they believe that Adam sinned that men might be. That's a verse right out of the Book of Mormon. And so the idea that uh, that there was sin, or that there was transgression, they will call it, is actually a positive thing, because there would not be a possibility of having bodies unless there was that original sin. And then, and then they turn that into actually a good thing that gives everybody what they call agency, uh, the idea that everybody has a choice. And so that gave the opportunity for all the spirits in the preexistence to come to this world. Now, the, the, the idea of grace certainly is believed in Mormonism, the idea that Jesus' atonement 
and his grace provided one of three kingdoms. And it's not really hell, except you don't get to progress to the next kingdom once you are assigned to that kingdom. But uh, the idea of grace in Mormonism and the amazing grace that's talked about by John Newton are two different things, because according to Christianity, it's by grace and grace alone that we're saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should, be, should boast. And, and in Mormonism, it's based on what you do. There is a boasting that goes on, because you have to qualify to even be able to go to the LDS temple. You can't have hot drinks, for instance. You have to be a tithe payer. Uh, you have to wear special undergarments. There's a number of requirements for you to be able to go and do the work necessary if you hope to go to the celestial kingdom. So, yes, there's grace. It takes you to a certain place. In fact, there's a verse in the Book of Mormon, Second Nephi 25:23. It says we're saved by grace after all we can do. Now, wait now, a minute. Yeah. After all we can do? How, how much is that can grace? How is that grace, too, Eric? No, <laughs> it's not. Well, it, that's why I started out the program by talking about the statistics that are so depressing from Utah. It leads the nation in teen suicide, antidepressant use by women, online pornography subscriptions, and it's number one in the nation per capita for cosmetic surgery. Now, why is this, Eric? Why do you think it's, what, 70, 75 percent Mormon in Utah? What, is there a connection here? What's going on? I think the religion has a lot to say about that. Now, some might say it's because of the Rocky Mountains and depression happens along this corridor. Uh, you know, maybe there's some truth to that. But the ideas that you're talking about with all of these different problems, Mormonism is a very superficial religion in the sense that you're supposed to put on your best front. And uh, everybody's lawns here are nice. Everybody looks good on the outside, but inside people are dying. And we're seeing more and more with the youth that are having issues. There's a school district where I live and uh, in this school district, they had seven suicides. Teenagers committed suicide seven times last year. Just They couldn't figure out what to do. And my thinking is, well, you need Jesus, because only through a proper relationship with Jesus can you really have peace and happiness. The Bible talks about that. But in Mormonism, it's always based on who you are and what you're doing and how much have you done for me lately, and the religion is never satisfied. So people, I think, uh, turn to other things. And uh, we also, you didn't mention uh, one of the highest rates of Ponzi schemes happen in this state. People are easily suckered into uh, believing that they're going to get 5% a month on their investment, and they end up losing millions. We just had a case this week again of somebody who got caught doing that. So we have a lot of people who are based on their feelings, think they're going to be able to be successful, but the Bible says the heart is deceptively wicked. Who can understand it? We can't depend on our own uh, feelings. We can't depend on our own uh, rationale. We have to depend completely on God. So in that sense, Mormonism is just like any other religion where you're trying to work your way to God to make yourself good enough Whereas Christianity, instead of us building a stairway to heaven, in Christianity, God builds a stairway to us, a stairway from heaven, and he comes down and saves us, and there's nothing we can do to merit that. God provides it freely. That's what grace is, and when you don't have a a sense of true grace, when you think you've got to work your way to God, then you're much more apt to, unfortunately, as— we pointed out earlier, be involved in all these very negative situations or or, or negative behaviors. We've got suicide, antidepressant use, pornography, cosmetic surgery, 
this is this is tra- a tragic uh, outcome when you could just say, look, God loves you enough already. He's already an infinite being. He can't love you anymore. So yeah. you just got to put your trust in what Christ has done. I mean, why would Jesus even need to come, uh, Eric, as Paul says in Galatians 2, if you, if you could work your way to God? What, what's the point of Jesus coming? Yeah, there's a little saying I like to come up. I like to tell the Mormon. I, I say that this is a religion like all of the other religions that are out there that says, what must I do for God? But uh-huh. Christianity is so different from religion in that sense because Christianity asks the question, what did God do for me? Right. And so when you understand that concept and understand how valuable grace is, it's a free gift. God imputes his righteousness to me, not based on what I did or what I will do, but based on his own desires that he is able to give that. And it's such a freeing thing. And when people understand that, when Mormons end up leaving the church, unfortunately, we figure about 80% head straight to Mormon or straight to atheism from Mormonism, because they say if the Mormon church isn't true, then nothing else is. They've been so corrupted in this great apostasy. But when they do see Jesus, oh man, former Mormons, make the best Christians. And I want oh. everybody to understand during this past hour that what you and I are doing here is not, we're not doing this because we hate Mormons. No, no we love Mormons. Not. We want them to get the very best that God has to offer and not to settle for a substitute like Mormonism that is not the real deal. Why not take Jesus as he is, according to what the Bible says, and accept him, as you just said, as your Lord and Savior. He's offered that free gift. You receive it. Well, if you're in the Utah area, I know the church I spoke at uh, earlier this year was a wonderful church called South Mountain Community Church in Draper. They have a great ministry to ex-LDS there. And uh, so if you're in that area and want to have a church home, that might be that is the place to go, at least a place I, I know about, which phenomenal place, South Mountain Community Church. You can check that out there. Let me squeeze in one more call, Eric. Uh, we've just got a couple minutes here, but I want to squeeze in. Uh, Kenny from Oklahoma. Kenny, you have a question for Eric? Yes, sir. Good morning, Frank. Good to speak with you again. Eric, uh, does all of the Mormon churches in America teach that Joseph Smith was a godly man, and how do they respond when you show them clear evidence that Joseph Smith was not a godly man? And, Eric, I wish you would do some research on the Catholic Church, write a book, because the Catholic Church is just as corrupt as the Mormon Church. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, Kenny, thanks. Well, we're not talking about Roman Catholicism here, and I would say uh, Roman Catholic theo- theologically <laughs> are are much closer to the truth than are Mormons. I mean, yeah. they're not even in the same galaxy, Kenny. So uh, there there is corruption in, in the church, I agree with you, but when it comes to theology, uh, they're, they're much closer to what, evangelical Christians would believe than Mormons. But go back to the question, if you would, Eric, about Joseph Smith being a man of God. Most Latter-day Saints do believe that he's an upright man, and in fact, it threw a lot of Mormons for a loop when the Church produced a series of essays called the Gospel Topics Essays. And you can go to our website, mrm.org. We have a whole section on there's about 13 different essays that they have written, including on the Book of Abraham, the Book of Mormon, and on Joseph Smith. They wrote on polygamy. And in the essay, one of the essays, they admitted that Joseph Smith had between 30 and 40 wives. A lot of Latter-day Saints didn't know that. 
Now, you mentioned Sandra Tanner being a relative of Brigham Young. Brigham Young had 54 wives. Most Mormons knew that, and they said, well, that was just Brigham. But Joseph Smith had 30 to 40 wives admitted to by the Church. It bothered a lot of people, because in the essay, they admitted that a number of his wives, about a third of them, were living, were married to living husbands, and another third were teenagers as young as 14. And his wife, Emma, did not know about most of them. There have been scholarly works written by Mormons to show that Emma Smith was left in the dark, that Joseph Smith was going behind her back, and that sex was a part of what these most of these marriages were about. So Joseph Smith was trying to have his cake and eat it too, and, uh, and he said that God told him that that was okay. So polygamy was the rule in Mormonism until 1890 when they, when they were pressured by the U.S. government. But Joseph Smith is not the clean uh, leader that many would assume as Mormons. Well, Eric, we just got a couple of minutes in the book. People are going to need to get if they really want to go deeper and be able to interact with Mormons on this topic. Yeah, the book, again, is called Sharing the Good News with Mormons by Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. They're editors. There's many different articles in here that will be very helpful to you if you get this book. Just wrap it up for us, Eric. What would you like to tell our audience in the last 30 or so seconds? If you know a Latter-day Saint, love them by being able to tell them the truth. Don't ignore the differences, and I'm not saying you have to go, you know, uh, Bible bash, as some would call it, or be an anti-Mormon and be negative, but look for opportunities and look for ability to ask questions. People like to have questions asked of them, including their religion, so ask them, why are you a Mormon? And that could get you into a conversation that could lead for eternal benefit for that person. And so uh, our, our website sharingwithmormons.com has additional chapters besides the 24 here. We are trying to equip people to be able to be the best ambassadors for Jesus. And, uh, and so, again, love the Mormons. Thanks so much, Eric. That's Eric Johnson. The book is called Sharing the Good News with Mormons. Pick it up, friends. And uh, later in August, I'm going to be debating Michael Shermer out in California, San Jose, California. I'll be doing an entire weekend out there. So check that out on our website, crossexamined.org, and I'll be back here next week. See you. God bless. We work hard to create great content and deliver truth and valuable insights to all of our Cross-Examined podcast listeners. If you agree, take 30 seconds out of your busy schedule to leave us a five-star rating so more people like you can find us. Just look for the Cross-Examined official podcast, three words on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. We are truly grateful for your support. 